Listening to the Coffee Hour, I'm Sarah Golseth. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin, for your support of the Coffee Hour. You can find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. We have some story updates, some new and exciting things happening around the globe with Global Lutheranism and the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. So joining me today to give us an update on several things that, that have been happening lately is the Reverend Dr. Matthew Heisey, Executive Director of the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Sarah. So there's been a lot happening in Global Lutheranism since you were on last a few months ago. Where do you want to where do you want to dig in? Well, I guess maybe it's it's just on foremost in most people's minds with what's going in, on in Ukraine. We're, we're trying to to translate and publish and distribute books in a nation at war, and it's and and with a population on the move. So this has been really tricky. Not to mention just just the human dimension. Our our translator and coordinator for Ukraine is Bishop Vyacheslav Horpunchuk, and he is the godfather of my wife. So uh, she came into the Lutheran Church in Kiev through him, and uh, you know he has he just he just sent me note the other day that the recent Russian bombings bombed his his son's old school playground. So I knew it was pretty close to his home. He says we're fine, but it brings everything home. I think, and and the fact that you maybe in times like these, this is really most important to try and get the word out to people. So one of the things we've done is our founder, Robert Ron's five-page gospel track, Jesus Never Fails. And with the basic theme that life is going to fail you, health is going to fail you, friends are going to fail you, but he will never fail you. And we've actually been able to get this into the hands of medics and soldiers fighting on the front line. So while, of course, we understand they need many other materials, what what we can provide, this is what we do, is to provide that spiritual comfort and hope. So we've, we've been doing that and then also trying to keep up with the vast number of refugees uh, flooding into Europe. So going into our contacts, Pastor Nathaniel Jensen, who's an LCMS missionary in Kaiserslautern, he has a large number of Ukrainian refugees there. So we were packing up books through our own Mark Moss, who was there about a week ago, and he brought some of those over with him to Germany. And we've heard of refugees going as far as central Finland. Of course, the Eurasian LCMS missionaries are, are doing great work in helping Ukrainian refugees as they come into Romania in particular and uh, go to other countries or stay there, just providing them with, with the basic amenities that you need when you're packing up in a, in a hurry because your nation's being bombed. And uh, so we've been printing books in Latvia, trying to get them down there. I've been just trying to coordinate a lot of different things and keep a lot of balls in the air so that we can at least provide some spiritual sustenance and comfort for a refugee problem that will probably last for, for many years yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are the, some of the things that you've had to work through? I can I I can't even imagine trying to print all of these books and get them to the places where these refugees are. Where what are some of the things that you've been able to work through in order to still provide all of these refugees with these books and publications? Well, one of the things actually was was getting into our warehouse. We couldn't our, our warehouse is located in Hostomel, which is near the airport in Kiev. So it's on the outskirts of the city and it was mined. The Russians mined mm. the road. 
So uh, Bishop uh, Horpenchuk could not even get his car there. And finally, I think probably a couple months ago, he was able to get there and he showed us that they, they had bombed actually the roof. A missile came right through the roof and soldiers must have gone inside the, the little book depository and just shot up the walls. So we lost some books, but thankfully most of them actually handled, survived the damage to the building itself. And so we kind of now moved them to a different place and we're working with Lutheran Church Canada's group over in Odessa. When, when I was a missionary for LCMS, I helped teach over there in Odessa, Ukraine. And really proud of a lot of my former students who are actually shuffling refugees up to the border into Romania and working with the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. So Canada and Missouri are working really closely to help these refugees. And, you know, as we, as we do that, we're, we're trying to think, okay, what, what can we provide them? Because, uh, this is something I guess that doesn't go through everybody's head, but many Ukrainians don't speak Ukrainian. They speak Russian. <laughs> and when I taught in Odessa, I taught in Russian because even though my students had last names that were very Ukrainian, uh, you know, you've got names like Shevchenko and something like that, Marchenko, but they were actually Russian speakers and that was their first language. So we have to understand. So, cause sometimes people say, why are you providing Russian materials for them of all things? Be because Ukrainian and Russian of, of course are Slavic languages. They're very close to each other, but we need to be able to get them in the heart language of those people. So we're providing not just Ukrainian, but Russian knowing that for some people, it's going to be easier to read Russian. And for those in the West of Ukraine, it's going to be easier for them to read Ukrainian. So these are all the kinds of things that I have to ask pastors and missionaries in Denmark, in Germany, in Finland, in Romania, Slovakia, as we try and get those resources to them. Mm -hmm. So many moving parts and, and things to think through that we may not realize you have to work through in, in such a fluid situation like this. Is there, do you have a, a children's project happening in Ukraine also for the next school year? Yeah, actually this, this school year, we, we chose the Ukrainian children's Bible storybook project for uh, Ukrainians, knowing that we would probably have a lot of children who are going to be displaced. And uh, so this is an opportunity because obviously the Lutheran church is not very large in Ukraine. It's a predominantly Orthodox country, Eastern Orthodox. And so we have the opportunity to kind of give those that Christian understanding through a Lutheran lens. And so we're uh, printing off a lot of these Bible story project books. And we're getting many people from many schools in the United States who are adopting the project and, and just even churches who, who want to support our Ukrainian children's project. So they can find that on our website. If they go there, we can provide them not only with information, but we have kits for activities. In a sense, if you have a Sunday school, we can, we can provide you with all sorts of activities and kits to explain a little bit more about Ukraine, and also, you know, provide some activities for the children's and in, in children in Sunday school. Mm -hmm. How does the that book get distributed in Ukraine? How do, how is it used by the people in Ukraine? Well, for for basically for Christian education, while we're there, we will probably end up getting them to obviously all the Lutheran churches and then to other interested parties, but. Right now, like I say, what a lot of Ukrainians did was, was send their children out of the country. And as they did that, now the idea is, okay, what do we do? We're thinking of printing in Berlin 
and in Riga, Latvia, my old professor, Andy Bartelt is doing through his mission group is doing a basic small catechism in Ukrainian and Russian in Riga. In fact, it's being printed right now. And so we're trying to figure out, okay, who can help get some of these things into a Poland, into Germany, into Denmark, down to Romania. So I'm using all the contacts and people I know to, to do that. So we, we are at a point where we really can't do much printing in Ukraine for obvious reasons. You know, printers aren't working uh, as well. And, and to be honest with you, we're having difficulties in Russia because with the sanctions, we can't really pay an American dollar to our normal printer in St. Petersburg. So in doing work in that country, we have to find ways through third channels, humanitarian organizations, and maybe send money through that way. Businessmen who are traveling into Russia, it's, it's thinking out of the box. <laughs> yeah. And thanks be to God that you're able to do all of that work and, and have those connections and that network to be able to still print and provide all of these materials. Anything else that, that you'd like our listeners to know about any of the projects that are happening for Ukrainian refugees and and. and well, I think maybe just just requesting prayers for them. Uh, when I talked to the Bishop Harpenchuk, some may have heard there was a small town in the Kharkiv region called Zoom, and he said, well, we've located four of our parishioners. We don't know if many others are alive or not. And I mean, that that's a really sobering thought as I, you know, calmly and quietly can slide into the pews of my own congregation on a Sunday morning, knowing that Here's a pastor who's trying to direct a church in wartime. He doesn't know whether whether his own people survived or not. So uh, that's that's a, that's a I, I think just just gives me a moment of pause and and thanking God for the freedom and certainly safety we have, but also to remember our brothers and sisters who are on the front lines. Absolutely, yes. We will keep them in prayer. We have a few more stories to talk about with the Reverend Dr. Matthew Heisey, Executive Director of Lutheran Heritage Foundation. But we're going to take a quick break now before we get into another one. We'll be right back. After this break, you're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are sharing stories from Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Joining me today, the Reverend Dr. Matthew Heisey, Executive Director of Lutheran Heritage Foundation, sharing stories from around the globe, things that have been happening since since we've caught up with you last. And before we went to break, we talked about all of the, the great things happening in Ukraine, printing, printing books and publications for refugees and for children. Where do you want to go next? Well, I think probably it would be interesting to to talk about the Evangelical Lutheran Church of South Sudan slash Sudan. The reason that this church has that, that slash and it works in two countries is because 30 some years ago when the Lutheran Church in Sudan was founded, there was only Sudan. 
And in 2011, South Sudan seceded from the country, the northern country, which was predominantly Islamic. And uh, South Sudan certainly has tribal religions, but it, it is very Christian, at least its population is. So the Lutheran Church, the Evangelical Lutheran Church of South Sudan, Sudan works in both countries now instead of just one country. And just last month in Nairobi, Bishop Peter Anabati Abia and President Matthew Harrison have now signed an agreement that uh, the ELCSS slash S will be in Altar and Pulpit Fellowship with the Missouri Synod. And uh, we will celebrate that at next year's convention. So that's something we've been working towards for almost the 30-year existence of the Lutheran Church in Sudan. And uh, so it's, it's really something to celebrate. Yeah, that is very exciting. I know Bishop Anabadi was here several months ago and, and got to tour the LCMS International Center and, and meet a lot of people here. And it's so wonderful to know that that these church bodies are in altar and pulpit altar and pulpit fellowship now and celebrating that at convention. What 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 involvement has LHF had with this church body? Well, we go back to its earliest years. There was a, a bishop by the name of Andrew Lisa. And he had been in the, the Anglican Church in Sudan and was not really happy with the more liberal bent of its theology and, and somehow had connected with Lutherans in Kenya. And so when he went there in 1994, he met our good friend Ansi Simioki and Dr. Robert Preuss and ended up talking to him. Our founder, Robert Ron, ended up giving him a book of Concord and the small catechism in English. And Andrew said, yep. That's what I want to be. I want to be Lutheran. So he ended up beginning to translate those books. And we began actually doing theological education through the permission of the LCMS World Mission at that time. So we, as we were, we've been working with them for many, many years. Now, sadly, Andrew died of a, of a brain cancer. Uh, literally New Year's Eve, uh, shortly before the new year and so of 2009. And since that time, the church had been in a bit of flux until uh, Peter Anabadi was elected bishop several years ago. Now I think it's about five. And uh, Peter's uh, completing his dissertation at Fort Wayne, uh, PhD in missiology. So soon he will be bishop doctor, uh, Peter Anabati Abia. And Peter's just a wonderful guy, a very very humble, uh, down-to-earth, very transparent and individual and a wonderful teacher of the Lutheran understanding of the Christian faith. So, you know, it's been a joy to work with them all these years. We now work in 10 of their languages. They do have actually many refugees because of the fighting tribal warfare that has existed in South Sudan since its inception in 2011. So we, we actually, the assistant bishop actually doesn't live in South Sudan. He is lives in a refugee camp in Ethiopia where there are many South Sudanese. So we work primarily in the Nuer language in the Gambela region of southern Ethiopia, where these refugees are congregated, but also begun working in northern Uganda in the language Madi, which the people speak there, the South Sudanese refugees. So it's a church that is has a church which has, I guess you could probably say, parishioners in four countries, not to mention here in the United States, of course, many, many Sudanese have immigrated to, to the United States. So there are about 10 or 11 languages. I'm, I'm thinking right now I left out Anuak when I was trying to count the languages. So we, we work in the many different languages there in a country that, that really struggles because of 
uh, tribal warfare, flooding is endemic, it seems. There's always uh, flooding issues, famine issues as well. Uh, my own trip uh, up into the Dinka-speaking area in uh, Boretown, I, I came a year after uh, there was a slaughter of 100 people or so. You could see them in National Geographic laying on, on, on the streets because of tribal warfare. And so when I got in there, I saw the blue-helmeted uh, UN people all around. It's, it's a really, really complicated land, and yet there are, I, I have not seen too many people more hungry for the gospel as I have in, in, in Sudan and South Sudan, perhaps because of the issues that they face. So it, it's a church of about, you know, as far as I know, a good couple hundred congregations with maybe 140,000. It's just, just a large number of people. They can never get enough pastors. So we're always trying to train. And uh, I just found out that our, our good friend, uh, Reverend Dr. Bernie Lutz, just arrived there at this sprightly age of 88 to teach another course there. <laughs> In South Sudan, he, he is the Energizer Buddy, along with our founder, Robert Ron, writ large. These two are the Energizer Bunnies. They are incredible. So we try to keep them, try to give a theological education there. And recently, I've been very pleased with the Office of International Mission helping support that seminary and the teaching there. So we really look for good things to continue and the church to grow. And hopefully, there will be more trained pastors for the people in South Sudan. Yeah, that's so wonderful, that partnership that that just has been growing for so long uh, and will continue to grow by the grace of God into the future. And, and so wonderful that you're able to work with all of those languages and and the the people that are spread out across across a few countries. In our time that's left, do we want to cover one more story of, of travels and, and happenings around the globe? Sure, yeah. Talking about training pastors, our assistant uh, executive director, Jeffrey Ron, and I were both in the Dominican Republic in late May. Pastor Ted Cray, the regional director for Latin America, invited us for their seminary graduation and the launching of the Spanish hymnal, which has really been an undertaking. The Mission Field has been working on this for 14 years. We've been working on it with them for eight years that I have been here. And so it's been a project long, long term. And so to be able to get down there and see pastors actually hold, it's a very thick book with about a thousand hymns kind of modeled on the LSB, the Lutheran service book. So we are not only glad to see this now being disseminated throughout South and Central America and the Caribbean, but also through the United States. So for Hispanic congregations in the LCMS that want to get copies, basically they just need to send $10 for a hymnal to the Office of International Mission there in St. Louis, and we got, the, we got the hymnals. So they tell us where to send them, and we send them out. That is fantastic. And you were actually able to be in the Dominican Republic for the, the conference. Oh. And I mean, it looked like a celebration. What was that experience like for you? Well, I, I, I love the robust singing. And the one thing I, I always enjoy is, is not hearing people singing like it's a dirge, but people singing with this robust energy. And, uh, and they were, they were, you could just see the excitement was palpable yeah, because, you know, it's, it's one thing to sing uh, hymns off a sheet of paper here, but when you actually have a hymn book there with the notes, with the liturgies and the different settings of the services, uh, and you're able to use that, you know, this has been something they've been been desiring for a long time. And, and I'm really thankful to Pastor Ted Cray because, I mean, it, it took this time because he wanted to get it right. I mean, you, you print something that large 
you don't want there to be errors. And, and naturally, there are always a few. We're planning on printing next year again. So, so we're already <laughs> gathering funds for the reprinting because these some 2,000 plus copies that we printed are going and going fast. Yeah, and, and I have a copy at my desk that Ted Craig gave me when, when he was here for an event uh, in the last month or two. It is a it is a wonderful book. So many things. Can you tell us that some of the the highlights of this hymnal as, as you understand them? I know sometimes we we may just assume that it's it's a, a Spanish translation of the LSB, but it is it is far from that, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, basically they are they are not just. I mean, they will they will certainly you know we've got the mighty fortress certainly in Spanish, but they also have hymns that are of their own creation in many of the South American countries. And so they've, they've taken time to make sure that because this hymnal is going to Argentina, to Peru, to Bolivia, to many, many of those countries, Uruguay. And so they wanted to incorporate a lot of the songs and choose those hymns that people thought would best represent a Spanish language hymnal. And so, as I mentioned, they have them set for guitar, they have them set for piano, organ, things that I couldn't quite comprehend. Uh, we're, we're always a bit apprehensive about hymnals because they tend to be really complicated things, you know, and you got to sit there and find out, okay, what, what hymns are in this? Because we don't know all the translations. I mean, we found one in Africa where the guy wanted to put in bringing in the sheaves. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, well, probably not the hymn that we're going to use there, but nonetheless, obviously, uh, Ted Cray knows what he's doing. And and we know that Ted, Ted and I both were sent off as missionaries the same year. We were the only ordained pastors to go out in 2001. And as I always say, they sent the smarter one to Venezuela, to the warm climates and to the frozen tundras of northern Russia. They sent the more dense fella whose head could comprehend all that. That was, that was, that was I. <laughs> <laughs> what you mentioned LHF has been involved in this project for for the last 8 years what what was LHF's involvement in the hymnal project to bring it for, to fruition Well a couple of things obviously we pro we provided a lot of the funding but also we our Ted Nathalong we printed this in Bangkok which a lot of people might not know we we've got a great deal there on the paper and uh, the printer and the press Darn Sutha Press through whom we work really gives us a very effective costs, very good costs for, for what we're printing. So actually we can print it there and ship it to South America and to America for less expense than we would have printing it somewhere here in the Americas. So we provided, we, we did a lot of the layout work to help them with that. And uh, although our team, we have a lot of ties who are working on that, they're used to working in foreign languages. And so they will see something that even the Spanish speaking folks, they say, this doesn't look quite right. And they say, ah, oh, you're right. You caught a mistake. So we've got a really effective team that helps us with the layout of the of the text and preparing it for printing. That's fantastic. And we are unfortunately all out of time. I love when you bring these stories to us, sharing what's happening around the world with all of the wonderful books and publications that Lutheran Heritage Foundation is able to do. If people want more information, how they can support LHF, all of those things, where should they go? All they need to go to is lhfmissions.org. Very easy, lhfmissions.org. Dr. Heisey, thanks so much for joining me today on The Coffee Hour. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Reverend Dr. Matthew Heisey, Executive Director of Lutheran Heritage Foundation. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Sarah Golseth.
The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Oh,